0: This was brought to you by The Storyteller on YouTube and Facebook. You must be prefakany, he said, grabbing me in such a hug hold I thought I would never breathe again. The word meant nothing to me, Foxy. He gave me a low bow, pulling his hat off and sweeping the hat through the air to rest it on his thigh as if he was an actor. I must have looked blank, it's Slovak, means foxy, he explained, or if you prefer it in the Romany, Lalo That I did know, though I was never called it in England. He spoke to me in our own English Romany, and it was only later that I thought how odd this was and wondered how he had come to learn to speak it so well, and yet also speak the Eastern European version of the Slovak gypsies. He took Granny's big carrying sack from her and my much smaller one and hoisted them onto his back, where they hung, from behind, like huge swellings, making him look three times his normal width, and now our guide from the town left us with our grateful thanks and returned home. Come, he said, this way. My wagon's only a mile or so away. As we walked, he and Gran talked together and sometimes to me whilst I studied my distant cousin. I would estimate he was well over six feet tall, but looked much more because he was as thin as an English hopfield pole. In fact, when I got to know him better, I often wondered how such a human walking skeleton could manage, because he had so little flesh on him, and none of it which wasn't essential. My clothes were shabby to say the least. British gypsies in those days rarely had more than two sets, and though I was wearing my best tograms, I was very conscious of the patches in my trousers, which Gran had tried to make look like a part of the design, and the small tear in my shirt, yet next to him, I looked like a city gentleman just up from London. He had long wavy hair which hung over the back of his head, and at the sides like a black kitchen mop, almost to his shoulders. He wore an ancient blue jacket, and red trousers, like those worn at strict attention by soldiers on ceremonial guard at airports when a VIP arrives. He even had gold braid, tatty I grant you sewn onto both the trousers and the jacket, underneath which an open-necked white shirt almost hid his brown buckled belt. His boots? None. The first thing I had noticed when he did his handstand, was his bare feet, sun-burnt brown on top and dark brown leather-like underneath. He saw me, looking at his feet. Your feet get used to the forest floor, and the paths, and the roads, he said. Mind if someone gave me his boots I'd wear them. Bitty yours are a bit small, and winked at Granny V. Don't your feet ever get cut. I asked in wonder, imagining all the hard and sharp surfaces, hardly ever, he said. Except those pine needles are a curse when one gets between your toes and stabs you. But in the name of the good Lord, am I not a gypsy, and has not the gracious Lord God given us all the free medicines we could ever need in these same woods, and the fields nearby to heal such things? Granny V had already taught me a lot of plant medicine, but it was Uncle Vanta who was to teach me even more in the brief months to come, and also how to live off the woods. Uncle Vanta's wagon would have been shameful to many an English or Welsh-Romany person, a very basic cart, and over it some hoops, and over them rough canvas, much patched. In England, our very basic wagon was an open lot, and there were palaces beside this, for they were longer, and a little wider, and heavier, though still light for a wagon, and some even had a stove, like the more sophisticated wagons of other types. The only British wagon to compare with Uncle Vanta's was what were called accommodation wagons, basically a two- or small four-wheeled cart with a tent structure on top. They tended to be more for people to keep their belongings dry when they travelled. Come, he said, make yourselves at home and rest before we go on. But where are the others? I asked. Five miles yet, he said. But why are you not with them, Uncle? I asked, fearing he must have some sort of disease or social problem. He wasn't my uncle, but we call older people uncle or aunt as a term of respect. Because, m boy, I'm the advanced guard, and the lookout, and the yapping dog, and the mad one in the fam illy. I must have looked shocked. He doesn't really mean mad, foxy, grandma explained. What he means is that someone lives away from the main camp in the direction from which visitors are most likely to come so that visitors can be intercepted and checked if they are safe or not and so warn everyone. But someone living separately from everyone else looks very suspicious as if we have to have good need for a lookout, hence he pretends he is a bit simple, that he has learning problems and behaves in a strange way. Now the barking, and the cartwheel, and the handstand began to make sense. Even other relatives, thinking of our guide of earlier on, sometimes, even relatives unless they are of our immediate band, because there are bad gypsies as well as good, said Vanta. So, I make others think that we gypsies are an odd lot, and people to be kept away from. Not that we're doing anything wrong, but we're different, and that makes people suspicious. A dog under the rickety wagon watched me closely, as if it wasn't sure I was to be trusted. Vanta groped under his home, and pulled out a bottle, and some rough metal tumblers from a cupboard underneath. The king himself is using our best tumblers today, he grinned. So, we have to make do with second best. 50th best really. Uncorking the bottle, he poured a generous lot into each. What is it? I asked. Just drink, he said, so I did. This was brought to you by the storyteller on YouTube and Facebook. Listen to our podcast on any of these platforms. Anchor, Breaker, Overcast, Pocketcasts, Radio Public, Spotify. Support us on Patreon.